Good morning podcast and welcome to a new episode. I am so pumped today because we have a special guest on the podcast. His name is Evan Rand. And Evan, we've tried to record that episode several times. We actually a very long episode in depth and then the recording just disappeared. This one is good. We might have had a few glitches, but I think the universe finally giving us a sign that we can record. So if you're ready to dive into creativity, if you're ready to dive into street photography, how to make your work more powerful, not with just one dimension, but with several dimensions, I think you will love that episode. Evan is not only a commercial photographer who shoots a lot of lifestyle, he's also a street photographer that shares his adventure on YouTube. He's had his work featured in galleries and recently he put out a book, a photography book. With no further ado, let's welcome Evan to the podcast and dig right into it. I think you're going to love this episode. Let's get started. All right, guys, we told you it is not a joke. This is very difficult to record with Evan. For some reason, what we were using literally cut off. And now we changed software. We are back. Let's get back into it. Evan, are you, are you ready? You think we're going to get this? I really, I really hope so. So Pierre jinxed it on the last one saying he thought it was going to be the one that worked. And we, we've actually, this is the second attempt on the, uh, this new, new platform. So hopefully this one goes, we were talking about motivation and kind of having a reason to make photos. And, uh, lately I've just been doing whatever I want to do. I'm kind of like you in the sense that I like to have a goal when I get out there and shoot, meaning to motivate myself to shoot. It's much easier to have like, oh, I want to shoot something specific versus like, oh, I'm just going to try to shoot anything, you know? Um, mm. I think that really helps me creatively speaking. Yeah, I do too, but it's weird. The It seems like the last few months, and I, once again, if anybody watches my channel, I've already kind of said this, so I apologize. But the the last few months with being stuck inside and everybody's, you know, plans getting scrambled. I think there's been further pressure on creative people to try to come up with something, even though the, the world right now is not necessarily as conducive to creativity. You know, it's, it's not this, it's not the easiest time to just go out and make photography or try to be creative because everything seems to be on hold. So it's been tough to find those motivations when there's not really any out there right now. Yeah. So that's why I kind of switched my mindset to just, Hey, let's focus on having fun and, you know, not maybe this year in the grand scheme of things, I'll look back on it and say, Oh yeah, there wasn't much of a direction with my work or there wasn't much of a direction with what I was making pictures of. But I think in the end, something will probably come out of it. I, I think if you just follow, sort of follow where your creative curiosity leads you, you eventually start to accumulate work in some way. So who knows? I could just do this and then by the end of the summer or in the fall have some type of collection of work. But we'll see. Just going with the flow right now. Yeah, I think... Going with the flow is what we can do best right now, as you mentioned. Um, how did you get into photography and then into YouTube? I'm kind of curious because we see, we see where you are now, but where are you coming from, Evan? Oh, man, it's a long, long story. So um, my dad was always hobbyist photographer guy. He, he had film cameras. He had digital. He, he basically was always taking pictures of us and um, when we were kids. So growing up, 
I was exposed to someone who was basically obsessed with photography and um, I, it obviously made me interested. I mean, you're, your kid is still like a baby baby. So you probably haven't gotten there, but I'm sure, you know, I mean, what you do as a dad can easily rub off on your kids. You see it all the time. So I think that's where the interest came from. And then from there, I actually won a few statewide photo contests that would be in, in Georgia. I don't know if they even still do it, but this is in public school. Um, They'd have these art contest where there'd be a theme every year and you'd submit work and then it could if you won at your school level you'd go to like a district and then they'd go to the state level um and i had one photo that made it all the way i think it was the number two in the whole state when i was in middle school so i was at i probably was like 12 years old and that happened oh wow. um yeah so it was pretty cool and that so the interest has always been there so i did that and then um didn't really think much of it though. And when I was, it's funny looking back, I see, I see there was a lot of stuff uh, in my young adult life when I was like 18 and 19 that looking back on it, it makes sense that I ended up getting into photography as a career. But at the time I just thought, Oh, I'm, I'm going to take a picture of this. I'm going to take a picture of this. I was always the guy with the iPhone when, right when the iPhone came out, that was one of the things I was most excited about is I was like, Oh cool. I can, I can take pictures of all the stuff I'm doing um, and in hindsight, I realize now that's not necessarily super normal. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I got into, I was in college and then when I trans, I went, I went to Georgia Southern, which is way South, um, in South Georgia. And then I transferred to Georgia state, which is in the middle of Atlanta. And that was when I really started getting interested in street photography, I I had a camera and um, I was using it. I was actually using it for a fitness based YouTube channel. So I've been doing, I've been doing YouTube for 10 years now. Um, Wait, but, you had a fitness YouTube channel? Yeah. So I was in college Ooh. for exercise science and I still, yeah. I still love fitness. I mean, it's, it's easily my biggest hobby. Um, but at the time I was looking at it, like fitness was going to be my career and, and photography was going to be my hobby. And just through what we were just talking about, creative curiosity, I had the camera and I was doing that. And then um, I was always interested in sneakers. So I'd get a new pair of sneakers and I'd make a video about it. And make, I made a YouTube channel about that. And um, that kind of got me into more creative video stuff. And I had a friend who was making music and I asked him, Hey, you want me to make a music video for you? This is all for free. This is just me literally being curious and having this as a hobby. So I made a music video for a friend of mine and I knew a guy who worked at a hat store in Atlanta, the new era flagship store. And I showed him the music video cause he asked me about it. And then he got me in contact with some other people and they paid me for a music video. And it was just like a giant snowball domino effect of events that led me to a position where someone asked me, Hey, do you do photo shoots also? Um, I said, sure. Yeah, I'll I'll do a photo shoot for you. I know what I'm doing. And that's when I really realized, Oh, that photography as a job, I think I enjoy more than the fitness side of things. And I've just been pursuing it ever since. And, um, to your question of where the YouTube channel came from, the YouTube channel started off of an idea I had already, I did a gallery of photos in Atlanta and I had built a little bit of an Instagram following, but 
I always had this vision in my head of how cool it, it would be to bring people along for the experience of just going out and making pictures. Cause that's what, that's what I would do in college. That's what, what a lot of us do with friends is you just meet up and maybe go shoot for an hour or two and just try to be creative in some way. Um, and I thought it'd be cool to somehow make a YouTube channel that highlighted that. And that's the roots of my channel, basically. It's such a good idea because it's often what we miss in those historical photos or, or any great work is like, what's the behind the scene? What's the real process behind it? Yeah, well, it wasn't even, a, it, it, I wouldn't even say it was about that. It was about, uh, we, it was just fun. It's been, that was, that was where it was rooted in is I thought that there were a lot of experiences and a lot of, um, I don't know the right word, maybe, maybe like camaraderie. And it was like a social mm -hmm. thing for a lot of times for us to get out and do photography and people, you know, you'd meet people that way. You'd maybe link up with one of your friends and say, Hey, let's go shoot. And then they'd bring a friend along and it created kind of this like network social thing around creativity. And that was initially when I started the YouTube channel, that was, that was my idea. Um, because at the time, I mean, this is four, four years ago, maybe the, the YouTube landscape was completely different. Peter, Peter McKinnon hadn't even blown up and he kind of, I think had, um, the same foresight that I had in terms of YouTube at the time was very stale. It was just mm -hmm. gear reviews. No one had really like, um, ref like refreshed the photo world. And I think Maybe. Peter was the first person who had the video skills to create a channel that did that for me. I, yeah. For me, I had the idea, but I had none of the skills necessary. So it's been like a learning process the entire time, figuring out how to make a good video um, and all that stuff. But I think from that time to now, the entire YouTube photo landscape, and video landscape has has shifted dramatically. I mean, it's it's crazy how many really awesome and unique channels there are now compared to even you know four years ago when I first started. Oh, 100%. It, it changed so much even from when I joined. And uh, have you seen that happen in the fitness when you were with the fitness channel too? Like a change since then? Or, or do you feel like it, it was only on the photo side of things that um, it had to evolve? I think, well, still now I take a lot of, um, I take a lot of inspiration from fitness, the fitness side of things. because I really like the way those people do a lot of their content. It's very lifestyle based. Yeah. Uh, yeah. the, the problem that any photographer is going to run into is the fact that if you make a lifestyle based photo video, you now have a, <laughs> you now have a video to edit and you have photos to process. So it like Correct. doubles your work time, which is always going to be the big hurdle on, something like that. Whereas a fitness channel, you're just creating a piece of content, you know, yeah. there's no, you're not having to double dip like you are with photo and video. So that will always be the kind of the hurdle. But I, I think the fitness world that the same thing happened in the last, you know, people keep coming along where they're, um, they know more about how to edit their edits are better. They know more about how to use camera technology and you'll see these super high quality fitness channels. That same thing didn't really exist five, six years ago. It was kind of just typical stale internet content. So it's been, I think it's just crazy in general to see where YouTube has gone, you know, in, in really a short amount of time. Yeah. I feel, I feel like you, you got to, 
and at the right time for for the photo world, right? Um, yeah. I just if I had a perfect world, I I wish I knew more about video when I started because I mm. I just jumped into it with no experience whatsoever. I mean, I <laughs> I jumped in with basically I knew what I was doing with photography, and even then my my photos have evolved dramatically over the last couple years. Um, but yeah, I, I jumped in. I had no idea what I was doing with video. I didn't know how to edit a video. I didn't know how to use Premiere. I didn't know about frame rates. I didn't. I literally knew nothing. And I've always been that type of person where if I have an idea, I'll just do it and figure it out along the way. But I wish I wish I had known a little more when I started because I think um, probably for the first year and a half, maybe even two years of the YouTube channel, I was just learning on the job essentially. Yeah. Huh. How do you think your style has evolved over time? And let's let's take it maybe more on the photo side of things because the video style is, is very, I find it a little bit more difficult to coin down sometimes, especially with the types of video we do. But in terms of photo, you just mentioned that you felt there's been a big shift. What has changed? What has triggered that change for you? Um, I The change in my photos came... I, I can remember specifically, it was a, a shift I had in my mindset. And I've talked about this before on in my content. So some people might've heard this, but when it's really easy to get stuck in a pattern. So if you're and the pattern is okay with commercial and like the business side of photography, if you're a portrait photographer, you probably want to have a pattern. If you're a wedding photographer, you probably want to have a pattern because it's going to make you better at your job. You know, I do X, Y, and Z. I do it well. My client's happy. I get paid. Cool. That's that's one thing. But when it comes to like what me and your channel is based around, which is this more creative side of things, getting stuck in a pattern can be a negative. And I found that for a few years, I was just doing the exact same thing over and over. I knew this is how I shoot. This is how I edit. This is the final product. And I would repeat that over and over. And then one day I had this epiphany moment basically where I was like, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm not putting the maximum effort into this creative side of what I'm doing. I'm just treating it the same way as I treat work. And -hmm. that's not why I'm doing this. So I basically refined the way I was doing everything. I, I would, if I, anytime I go out to shoot now, I think a lot more, I try to be more engaged. I try to have more of a vision of what I'm trying to do. I try to look for more layers and more depth and images, images that are more compelling. And then when it comes to the post-processing side of things, I spend a lot more time thinking about what I'm doing. I take time to refine the edits. I clean up the photos a lot more with retouching, not anything, not like crazy over the top retouching, but just small stuff of like taking out little pieces of trash off of a street or you know, getting rid of that small light on a building that doesn't need to be there, stuff like that. I just, I had this kind of aha moment where I realized, oh, there's so much more I could be doing with this and I'm not basically. Huh. That's, that's awesome um, to hear. I, I get that question all the time. Like, how do I define myself? How do I find my style? And how come your photos are so clean or like, et cetera. And what you just touched on, I think, will explain to a lot of people 
And especially that aspect of don't do always the same thing. If you're into commercial and you're doing weddings, obviously you want to because that's what people hire you for and you'd better deliver what they, what <laughs> yeah, they exactly. saw on your portfolio. But if it's for the pure art form of photography, um, uh, how do you feel about switching basically all the time from let's say you want to shoot underwater tomorrow and then you're going to be shooting studio portraits and then you're going to be shooting street. Uh, do you feel like as an artist, it's, it's something we should steer away from or it's something we actually should nurture? See, that, that goes back to what we were talking about before the audio cut out. That's where I struggle because I like to have, a, I like to have an idea of what is, what is the reason for me doing this. So for your example, if you, Say you're, I don't know, say your like brand that you're building is based around nature stuff. It makes sense to go do anything in nature because that's where your brand direction is going. And if you're making a brand and you're, you know, out in the city and you want to be known as a street photographer, it makes sense to do street photography. But 2020 being the way it is, I think it's probably one of the first times where everyone's just trying different. I mean, it's all over the map. So I'm trying right now to embrace that thing that you just said of trying different stuff and trying to not worry as much about the direction of my work and more about what um, interests me. But it's tough. I mean, even saying it right now, it, I don't know if I'd advise people the, who are trying to make a career out of photography to jump all over the board. I think it might be good to hone in on one thing, but what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm still, I feel like I'm still figuring all this stuff out, uh, you know, years into it. I, I like just doing, I'm, I'm interested in a lot of different things. And then that question of building a brand and a reputation as a photographer versus what you're personally interested in. Those two things are in conflict a lot, I think with most artists. So you asked a question that I'm still trying to figure out myself. Which is great. That's how we can bounce off uh, ideas. And and if you're listening to this right now, if you're in your car, if you're driving, if you're listening and painting, for example, um, would love to hear your thoughts. Maybe hit us up on Twitter on that. As an artist, should you actually go in all directions or stick on, on, only in one direction? Um, that Evan, when you get hired for your jobs, mm-hmm. is it always for the same thing? Uh I I try to take jobs in like three categories. I I take jobs that are all kind of within the same categories. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't, I'll never take, take a wedding. I'll never book a studio product photo shoot. Um, because that's not what I do. I'm, I'm a, like as a art on the artist side of things, I'm more of like a, you know, a street and lifestyle photography person. And I, yeah, translate those skills to client stuff. So for the most part, I'll do lifestyle-based shoots. I'll do lookbook type stuff. I'll do lifestyle product photos. If um, it's an intro, depending on what the client wants, I'll do like portraits and headshots. It just can't be uh, extremely formal type stuff. That's just not what I do. But mm-hmm. yeah, so, so to answer your question, I think when it comes to work, I do stick to a certain small group of things, which I think is very important. I don't think, I don't think as a professional, you should try to be the Swiss army knife of photography. I think it's good to know what you're good at, 
stick with that. And then when people try to hire you, they know what they're getting. Yeah. Uh, that's the best advice I think uh, one can give, especially for like when it comes in to Kara. And I guess maybe you have the same questions as me from people who are like exactly asking what I was saying earlier. Should I stick to one thing or not? Um, if again, I think it's like, what's the goal with your photography? You know, even people who ask you, how do you get so many followers? I'm like, what's the goal with your photography? <laughs> do you want to be yeah. an influencer? Do you want to become an artist? Do you want to make a career and make money out of shooting jobs? What What are you, or do you just want to have fun? Which is what I ha recommend 100% of the people is like, don't think about it just as a career. Like having fun with photography is amazing. Yeah, I would agree. I, that's that's why these conversations are always kind of weird when you get to talking about the subjects we're going over because there's two sides of there's two sides of it. You have one side where art and creativity and photography, everything in general can be a 100% business. And then on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, it's a hobby, it's a creative outlet, it's a way to get fulfillment for yourself. So those two things don't necessarily need to overlap but the reality is they kind of do when you make the decision to either dedicate yourself to a craft or decide to um make it a business you know it, those two things don't always work well together so i think that's why these conversations get kind of weird because on one end you're talking about money you're talking about business with a camera and then on the other end you're talking about all the other things that come with using a camera for fun as a creative tool and making things for yourself. Does that make yeah. sense? It's, that's, it's a, these conversations are always very, very strange because they're almost two separate worlds. Yeah. Oh, hundred. Yeah. 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 I think it makes complete sense. And, uh, I'll add to what you just said. If you're a person who, uh, who is asking yourself those questions, the first question you need to answer is, what are you what is your goal what are you trying to do and if and that will define everything else and really help you um kind of channel your energy in one direction on or in another and if your goal is to have fun just do everything <laughs> go shoot horses tomorrow and then a studio and then whatever like literally just shoot whatever you want and have fun with it yeah that you just you kind of just answered our question from earlier about um you know, being motivated to do pictures and why this year is weird and everything. If I agree with you, if you want to start out as a career artist, if you're trying to get a following and have people know about you, you have to start with a direction and with a goal in mind. And when you, when you hit that spot, then you are allowed to pivot. Then you can figure out, okay, well, do I want to try this? Do I want to try this? I spent, I think probably I like I, I mentioned that book project. So I did this book of Atlanta street and city photos. And the, the theme of that was basically Atlanta has never been known as a photography city. I wanted to try to capture it in a really cool, interesting way that could resonate to people who didn't live here. And if you did live here, people would say, wow, I've never seen the city look like before. That was the point of that project. But everything I did as far as a, a brand leading up to that project pretty much was like an arrow pointing towards it. You know, all mm -hmm. most of the videos I did on YouTube were street photography and city videos. 
most of the things that I published online were street and city photos. So when the book came out, it made sense like, oh, that's what this guy has been working towards. And that same formula can apply to anything. If you want to be a music photographer, start shooting music photos and share music stuff and meet people in music. And once you get to your goal of being a professional music photographer, you can pivot and figure out where you want to go next. And I think that's sort of back to the beginning of the conversation. That's kind of where I'm at right now, where I'm trying to figure out where's my pivot, because the plan was to pivot into travel stuff a giant pandemic happens and now we're <laughs> pivoting in a different way. And right now I'm just kind of landed on doing what I want, which is probably not what I would <laughs> recommend to someone uh, starting out, but sometimes it's just about having fun too. So, so the, this pandemic uh, really shifted things. I feel for a lot of people, even for my, I mean, for myself, especially because I was already in a travel space, right? So yeah. I had all those travel plans. And I remember you telling me also before, oh yeah, it's 20. I really want to travel more and get into it. Um, and now everything is like upside down and we're like, Ugh, okay, <laughs> how is that going to happen? You know, it's, yeah, it just puts every, everyone in the limbo. I, I'm curious about the book. Can you tell us about your creative process for the book especially i think i find the most difficult part about books is how did you decide on the on the images you were going to put in them in the book and and the arrangement what was your process like so i really i'm i love that piece of the process if like on my twitter and even on instagram i love curation because i think curation is actually the the missing ingredient for a lot of people. There's that, I think we've, I might've told you this before. There's that quote of, um, I'm paraphrasing it. I'm not saying it right, but a photographer doesn't always take the best picture. It's about knowing which one is the best picture. Mm. And that that's this whole idea of a lot of the photos that could have been in that book that I had initially thought about putting in there, I didn't put in because they didn't fit. They, they didn't fit into any spots basically. So let me bring it all back and explain this whole thing. So the book came together basically because I had that sort of aha moment about how I was putting my photos together, how I was shooting. So for about a year and a half, I, just continued on that vision and on that trend and making photos a certain type of way. And it came to probably around last summer, I was going through my Instagram and going through all the work I'd put out and said, Hey, there's, there's really like a cohesive feeling to a lot of this work. And I had some previous work that I went back and re-edited and I started to feel like I had a solid body of work. I think I had over probably like 135 selects that I ended up pulling and putting into a folder on my computer. And then I went and got them printed just at a Costco. I think, that, you know, they're like 50 cents a print or something. It's relatively inexpensive to do a small basic print like that. Mm -hmm. So I printed them, came home and I had just like a little field notes notebook and I put tape on the back of each photo and put it into the book and tried to curate the pages next to each other. So I'd say, okay, this photo and this photo, uh, they look really good together. And then this photo and this photo look good together. And I started trying to put 
everything together like that. And um, it was just a process of me refining it. And then I'd print a test copy and I'd look through it and say, okay, I need to change this. I need to move this around. I'd look for errors and kind of like chilling away at a sculpture is how I'd describe it until the final product was was there. That's interesting. I feel like, and that's sort of personal, the, that section of choosing the photos and arranging them is really the most difficult. Uh, have you found that a certain medium, you mentioned uh, clipping them in a notebook, helped you more than others? Uh, was there a software you used before putting them on, like printing them out, or did you go straight for paper? Um, it's funny. I So I did, in 2015, I did a gallery of photos, and I'm I moved it from, I had, I showed it at one gallery and then I had another gallery approach me and ask if they could show, show it as well. So I showed it in two places, but the work, the layout had to change basically. So what I did there was I would, I put all the work in Photoshop and I moved it around like it was on a wall and tried to mm -hmm. figure out, okay, I like the way these photos look next to each other. And they were pretty big prints. Most of them were like 30 by 40s, 40 by 60s. And um, oh, then nice. I had some smaller ones. So I would get into Photoshop and I'd move them around and you can, I think there's programs out there for things like Instagram, but I've never, I don't know if there's necessarily programs for like mock book layouts or mock gallery layouts. I, I'd have to do some research on it, but Photoshop is pretty easy. I mean, you just move the stuff around and I, I don't know if it's, it's hard to say if it's like a skill you can learn or if it's just you knowing your work and knowing how things like flow together and I guess like the feng shui of all of it. But I always enjoy that. I really enjoy that piece of the process because I think, I think you can, you know, position work in a certain way to where it's even more aesthetically appealing to a viewer. Yeah. You're especially able to craft the story that with only one image might be limited. Yeah, that's why I love Twitter so much. Oh, tell us more. Okay, let's switch gears. Let, let's tell us more about Twitter because I feel like you've been more involved into it lately. Well, I just think if you're if you're really making a lot of creative style photo work and you're trying to tell stories of what you're doing, Instagram lends itself to just like hero photos. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it's very difficult on Instagram. You have to, you just post that one image. So when someone sees it, they see it and then they have to swipe through. But on Twitter, you can put four photos just bang right there on a post. So someone can see it and they can see how all these images work together and then they can go through them individually. And I think just creatively, depending on the type of photography you're doing, Twitter, the format makes a whole lot of sense just because of that four photo layout versus on Instagram, it's just one, one image. And I think if you look at any photographer's body of work, you rarely have photos that stand alone as one image by themselves. I mean, even the, some of the greatest of all time, someone I was talking about, um, I don't, I don't know off top of my head who like Stephen Shore is a good example. If you look at a Stephen Shore book, the whole book, together is this beautiful, cohesive thing, but there's probably maybe 10 or 15 photos in that book that can really stand alone as these larger than life type images. So on Instagram, 
you're essentially having to make every photo one of those because you're just seeing it by itself or on Twitter and on any of these other photo social media platforms, you're getting to see a collection and seeing how these images work together and can tell a story. And I just think it's, I think it just works better for the viewer. Oh yeah. Uh, So everyone, you can go check out Evan Renf on Instagram while we're speaking. If you're not doing anything dangerous like driving and you can actually look at something and you'll see what he's talking about with the four photos layout and, um, and being able to tell a, a different story. I, now I, I start following more and more or like I start paying more attention would be the word to the photos that I see on Instagram and the way you're sharing it, especially Evan. And I do personally feel what you're saying where like you get a little bit, it's like instead of having one photo hero, as you mentioned, you have those four or three or two that will work side by side in one message that will make it really interesting and give you a quick glimpse of the story. So it's something I haven't tried though. You, I saw you post the other, prime examples, you posted the other day about how you went out in the rain, right? To make some photos. And you were saying that you were, I might be kind of mixing up how you said it, but you were saying that you felt more excited about making the video than you did about the, uh, any individual photo that you made that day. Is that right? Correct. Okay. And then, but part of that feeling might be because of some, like a format like Instagram where you posted four photos. And when you go through those four images, you get this idea of how the day went. You feel like, oh, okay, this, this is a variety of photos that he made in Chicago in the rain. These are cool. Mm -hmm. But when you're forced to have basically a cover art photo that has to draw people in to get them to see those other photos to tell the whole story, it becomes a completely different artist to viewer dynamic. Whereas if they watch the video, they see all the photos as the day goes on and they can pick their favorites and get an idea. Or if you share all four of those in a gallery on a wall, someone walks up and immediately thinks, these are four photos from a rainy day in Chicago. I like how they work together. The light changed this, that, or the other There's a variety of perspectives here. One's from the street, one's of a city building. So Instagram is always going to be a part of, you know, the business of things and getting your work out there. It's just the format of it can be tricky at times, especially depending on the type of photos you're making and what you're trying to say with your pictures. I think. Yeah. I see what you're saying. It's it's great what you're... I think what you're sharing is super important for anyone listening. And I love your approach around gallery-type viewing where you can see the photos work together. And it's true, even the carousel on Instagram doesn't doesn't do anything because it's it feels like it's almost every time a different set or different photo because you never see them together mm-hmm. as one. You always see them separately. It's like you're flipping a books page but you're not seeing those four in the same page have you noticed and i think you did one or two there's been this um i would say concept on instagram where people would lay out three photos in kind of a cinematic format uh in the same post do you think that kind of stemmed from that frustration from some artists of not being able to tell a, a full yeah, give a full picture that's a hundred percent why okay because the the f- the pictures say something together 
they say a lot less by themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's the equivalent of like having having an so like for example, let's say you have a music album, right, and you put an interlude in one yeah. of the songs. So like track five is a thirty second interlude. You pull out that thirty second interlude and put it in the forefront, and it's the only thing representing that album. People are gonna say, "Huh? What? I don't understand this." <laughs> When they listen to the entire album, that interlude makes sense. The same concept can apply to pictures. There might be an image that by itself says nothing, but when included with a group of photos, gives the story context, essentially, visually, you know. I love it. I absolutely love what you're you're saying uh, here. It's it's a concept of series to to tell better stories. And, um, And I think it's a product of... I think it's more a product of just like the genre of photography you're doing, you know, Mm -hmm. where certain, certain types of photos do stand alone a lot better. You know, like you've had Chelsea on this podcast, a lot of her, I mean, some are because of where she lives and the type of photography she makes, her photos are so stunning that they can just stand alone. And every single one you say, Oh wow, this is, this is so crazy. And then even her, even she will add in other photos into sets that tell a story of what's happening. But she's a prime example of someone whose work and brand and style does have that standalone quality. And the same thing mm-hmm. for, same thing for, you know, big time uh, like landscape photographers who might be out West. They're able yeah. to make these images that really stand alone. But when you're someone maybe out doing street photography or someone who maybe lives in a smaller town and you're trying to be creative, you might never come across these big standalone moments, but you come across a lot of stories that can be told with a group of photos. So I just think it's what you're shooting and and how you are, but I I think it opens a lot of options for people, honestly. Oh, definitely. And I think it can also, I love what you just said. Um, I'm, I'm bouncing, my brain's bouncing uh, everything you just said right now. And that aspect of if you're in a small town, it might not sound scenic enough for one shot. Having several shots is so, it's such a good thing you just mentioned here, because I think there's a lot of frustration out there from people who are like, I don't have that I don't have that epic Hawaiian background in my garden, you know, mm-hmm. I don't have yeah. those crazy sunsets. I don't have that. Um, but what they can work with is exactly what you said, a set, a series. And that's where I think video comes in play also, because if you look at some movies, they don't need epic scenery, right? You don't exactly. need exactly because you exactly. go down to the details and you show how they work together through the video um you yeah i love i just it just hit it just hit a home run in my brain and what you said uh so thank you at least it helped me <laughs> yeah it, it, one of my favorite movies is uh no country for old men and that movie <laughs> is what you're talking about it's like a you keep having these moments over and over where it's like a snapshot of a scene and you say oh my gosh that that scene is so cinematic and then you think to the next scene, the next scene comes up and you're like, oh my God, that shot was so cinematic. But none of those moments necessarily in that movie would make sense standing alone. But when they create a body of work, be it the whole movie, you get something a lot of people consider like a masterpiece in film. So 
the the same idea applies, I think, to photography, depending on how you look at it. You know, it's it's a very weird conversation to have. And I feel like we're <laughs> I feel like we sound like two like uh nerds right now talking about this type of stuff. Which, but which is great. It's exactly what we would be talking about if we were <laughs> sitting at a cafe with a camera after a good shoot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um Evan, I'm gonna be mindful with your time because uh I'm afraid the universe is gonna drop something on the, the podcast and <laughs> and just kill it. <laughs> so I, I kind of want to wrap up on on your what what is on that question which would be if if you're a little bit stuck creatively because everything you see looks great or you see people having all those great creative ideas what would you suggest someone to do if they're like i i, I can't i'm out of ideas i don't know what to do but everyone else around me has great ideas what would you say I think focus, and I've said this before, you got to focus on what your story is. And if you're not telling us, if your life isn't story, that means you need to make some type of adjustment in your life, whatever, whatever that is. You know, if, if you're stuck in home, in your house and you feel like, oh, I'm not, I'm not making any pictures in my house. I don't know what to do. Maybe try something new at home that inspires you. Maybe I'm just, I'm speaking completely like anecdotally here. This isn't, this is all made up, but maybe try to take photos of you cooking a meal you've never made and make an Instagram story out of it. Or if you're someone who lives in a small town and you drive the same way to work every single day, maybe take a different road that you've never gone down before and tell that story and try to make some photos and inspire yourself that way. I think looking for inspiration in your life and putting yourselves in positions where you can potentially get inspired is one way to break out of these little ruts that we get in. And this year is, I mean, the greatest creative hurdle that I think most of us have ever experienced. So it's a lot easier said than done. But my advice would be is if you're struggling, like most of us are, just try to switch things up in your life and try new things and give yourself new experiences and try to document them and have your camera with you and just see what happens and explore what makes you curious and don't think too much. Cause at the end of the day, we can only, uh, you know, can only control so much, I guess. The 2020 is a good example of that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Evan. Where should people find you? Do you want them to look at something in particular? Uh, yeah, you can look at YouTube. Just search Evan Ramft. You can go to Twitter and Instagram, Evan Ramft, and just yeah, check me out there. And if that's about it, we gotta we gotta do another one of these because I feel like we were just warming up with this whole conversation. Oh, we we're totally doing a round two, um, and hopefully, round two goes into. Uh, smoothly so if you have questions guys what you listening please hit us up on twitter if you want us to go more into details if you have questions to evan and then that way the second episode can really be tailored uh but i think this is such i think there's been such a good amount of information in this one about creativity and like how to think about our work and how to actually use it and and go deeper that um I want to let people who listen kind of direct the next one, at least with their questions. Yeah, because we're just like, we're we're just thinking on the fly here and coming up with. I feel I feel like half the stuff I said, I'm I'm you know just 
basically working through ideas in my head. So if you have questions or you want to have a conversation or anything, Twitter is going to be the best way to talk to me. And uh, me and Pierre are definitely going to have to do another one of these because it's fun. We could talk like this all day. (laughs) Completely. All right, Evan. Thank you so much, everyone. Go check out Evan's work and we'll talk to you on the next episode. Bye. Definitely, man. Hope you have a good one. Thank you so much for listening. Before you go, would you like to receive once a week a free short email with my top five inspirations, photos with settings, gear I've loved, and what I've been watching, reading, or listening to that really inspired my work and my life lately? If you want it, just go to prtlambert.com forward slash top five and you will be in. Every week you will receive that short email to set you off on the good vibe for the weekend and inspire you. Now with that being said, have an amazing day. I'll talk to you in the next episode. Bye.